Welcome into the Irish NFL show. We are a uh, sitting on a Sunday in May. We're getting there, lads. We're getting there. Only a few months left now to the start of the NFL season. We officially reached the halfway point last week. We're now going on 16 Sundays to go. Not that I'm counting. Uh, Michael McQuaid, Colin Cronin, Brian O'Leary. Before I get these lads into the show here, uh, we're presented by the Erlingus College Football Classic. Northwestern against Nebraska is on uh, this August. Do not miss it. Ticketmaster.ie slash touchdown Dublin. Get your tickets. We'll see you down there. Uh, Avec Bells on. We're also presented by Trust Gaming. You can get great gaming gear uh, on any budget. If just search Trust Gaming on Instagram and also check search search Trust Gaming on your local search provider. And we're also presented by um, Mini Arcade Systems, the best arcade systems in Ireland. Thanks very much to all the sponsors. Colin, how are you? Yeah, uh, very, very well. Wish it was uh, a little bit closer to actual kickoff of the the season. But as you said, we are over the halfway mark now and it won't be too long until Scott Hansen is back on our screens. Brian, we're over the halfway mark. How are you feeling? Um, Well, I was excited last week when the schedule came out. We obviously haven't had a show since we did our very early scheduled release show. Um, last Friday morning at half six, half six in the morning it was, and uh, we were only getting our heads around the fantastic schedule that's come out with some really enticing games and some late Sunday night games in particular for uh, your Broncos. Um, bear in mind that they haven't been in the playoffs for a number of years. They were picking teams that have been making their way up the ladder to find themselves in primetime games, but obviously that was got missed when Russell Wilson uh, factored into the conversation. But no, I'll joke aside. Look, the schedule's out. It's great. Some really... Great games, and when you, you get a sense that the league is around the corner, and then you realize, oh no, it's only middle of May, and we still got three months before we see real, real games. But there's still enough to talk about, Michael. There's still a few interesting subplots over the past week that we should really get into. And um, we haven't had a chance over the last two weeks to talk about the disgraceful thing that happened in New York with a former guest who we all love, Graham Gano giving up his jersey number and i hope we'll get a chance to talk about that because i think it's a complete oh no let's kick that off michael come on i want to i want to call, him, call him. as the giants fan here do, do you want to give your opinion on that uh, i'm taking a hand but here i seriously lads i think that like any rookie any rookie coming into the league to walk in and like, like i know there's a load of different things going on but to walk in and literally say i want this number away in frig high you've literally been paying like college football for sure how many years did he play college football for? Is it? Am I right in thinking it was two or three? Right? He comes in, takes Gano's number. I don't care if you give twenty p to Piata House or four hundred grand to a dog charity, lads. I think it's an absolute disgrace. Graham Gano, a field female. It's somebody that's starting to show off. Uh, no, go on, Brian. You you should run with this. It's been a long time, and I said it previously. It's a long time since we've had someone in the joints that has a bit of charisma, has a character, self-confidence. We are needing, we've been lacking a player who has had that. And he hasn't done anything yet. He hasn't even gone on the field. But it's good to see someone coming in with that self-esteem. And he's had a really good few days, albeit it's only rookie camp, judging by the small information that comes out from the performance. But let's be fair, it means absolutely nothing to what we're going to see. But this is the reality of the NFL. They scrutinize everything at this time of year. Look, he has five tattooed on his hands. He wore number five in Oregon. He was selected number five in the draft. Just give him the number. I mean, there's been other players that have come into the league. 
over the years. Look, the money's gone to a good cause, Michael. I'll bring you back to 20 years ago. I think Cadillac Williams came into the league and then Clinton's Portis came into the league. He paid 40 grand for, to get his number. He paid 20 grand for the first payment and then he was going to give the other 20 grand to the guy when they made, made it in the training camp so he could have his number. The player agreed to the 40 grand. He then got cut before training camp. He thought he could, you know, waive the 20 grand. He ended up being brought to court over. So we have seen crazy things in the past when someone gets very um, in love with a particular number. And I know it's a different world, but John Brady went down to Tampa and took Chris Godwin's jersey, who's quite a good player. And when in his own right, Chris said, no, thanks. I'll stick to the number. He gave it up. Julio Jones last year was very particular about getting number three. There was a few Ravens players last year that wanted numbers. I know they're in the league, but look, some players just love a number. Um, Graham Gano wore number nine in Carolina. I'll tell you when I will be angry. If Graham Gano starts missing field goals all of a sudden, um, we'll put it down to the number change affecting his uh, very good career to date with the Giants. Colm hit that answer in the bank, didn't it? I think all I want to say to you, Colm, <laughs> Giants is... Um, I want the guy column that was doing the pick with Kevin Fibber, that, that young lad. He's he, I want him on the show next week. So he follows us. Is it is Sam, Sam Prince column? Yeah, get, get him on the show next week. Well, if we're if we're talking about the the Giants, I suppose what we should be talking about is uh, it was Brian O'Leary. I think rightly pointed out on the show last week. The Eagles are favourites for uh, the division, and the Eagles went and uh, took. A very good cornerback from the the Giants. Uh, the the Giants' former general manager got them into all sorts of cap hell, uh, alongside uh, some interesting draft picks in uh, in recent years. And obviously, the new GM is trying to sort it out. But you have to be impressed by what Howie and the Eagles are doing in the off season. They they've looked around the NFC. They've said, yeah, the Bucks are there, the Rams are there, but why why can't we make a, a real go of it and they have certainly put the pieces on defense they've put pieces on offense Sirianni's going into his second year it all comes down to what can Jalen Hurts actually do but um I think if given that they were favorites this time last week they've only added in another seriously good quarterback or when you consider uh, that they already have Darius Slay there it's um it's a really good move I think by the the Eagles and um I am I'm it this is why you wanted this happens as Brian said uh, at the start right you see these moves you see the schedule you think great can't wait to see these guys on the field and then you have to wait you know three four months before uh, we actually see competitive football. Uh, but in in terms of, I think uh, I saw the the tweets uh, when it was done. There were eleven teams originally competing uh, for him, and he narrowed it down and, and decided ultimately to to go um, with the the Eagles. So, look, the Eagles have we know in the past had the the dream team, and that all fell apart. But it seems like the chemistry is a lot better there now. So very intrigued to see what Nick Sirianni can do in his second year. Brian, the Eagles currently have their defense, Fletcher Cox, Darius Slay, Brandon Graham, Hassan Reddick, and they drafted Nicobe Dean and Jordan Davis, and they've picked up James Bradbury. Um, this is an interesting time for the Eagles. There, I was taken back. We didn't get an abundance of comments on our 
our video clip last week where we declared him as the, as the favourites. People were stunned and shocked by, by, by how are they not the favourites? Like you have just said, you just called out some of the things that they have there and some of the things they've done this off season, as opposed to the Cowboys who are the favourites who have done quite a lot, quite the other way. I think they've been depleted and haven't really uh, acknowledged that and and replaced those players. I think the Eagles are building something really nice. Uh, just on the Bradbury situation, like. I've seen a few Giants fans being critical today that they didn't release him in, in March and he wouldn't have ended up with the Eagles because they would have had more teams with a lot more cap at the time in terms of salary cap that would have been in a position to go after him. But the Giants were trying to manoeuvre a deal and by all accounts, if you read what was uh, put out there last week, they had concluded a number of trade deals. The trade was in place to, even up to the last week, he was in, a trade was in place to send him to the Texans. He was there, he was due to earn 21 million this year. So... The Giants pulled back 12, and he obviously then probably couldn't agree a substantial deal with the Texans, which is why the trade fell apart. Um, you roll your dice, you, you hang on to him, you try to get a trade, it doesn't materialise, you have to cut him. The, the reality is, the Giants, and, and Gollum was right to call it out, the Giants are still dealing with situations which have been brought on by the previous GM, and Joe Shane is doing his utmost to try to solve things in a quick, in a timely manner. Like next season, they have 77 million in cap space so he's done and if you look at the projected ladder where we're at, at the moment he's quickly erased a lot of what was there in terms of this salary hell that we were in um it's it, it's hard for the giants to take because not only are we depleting our team with arguably the best corner one of the best cornerbacks i would say in the league haven't watched him for the last two years not only that he's gone to a rival a close rival and he's only going to make them better in a division which is probably will still be competitive so it's tough one to, to swallow but look the bigger picture for the giants Further down the line, they brought in three cornerbacks today to have played under the new the new defensive coordinator with the Ravens. You know, you'd like to think that having had the relationship that he knows how to get the best out of him. So look, I wish him well. He's a good player. Um, unfortunately, he's not gone to the team I would I would have rather seen him head out west coast and play for the Raiders and compete in that division. I think Colin, we should take Brian to the Eagles against the Giants in Philadelphia this season for a trip. Uh Colin Jar- Jarvis Landry going to the Saints. Saints starting to get a good, a good bit of talent in that roster. Um, do you think, and I know we've got a special guest today, but do you think they can take the Bucks close in that division, or what's your thoughts? Um, well, I think the for the Saints, obviously, as well this week, there was uh, heart attacks aplenty, I imagine, in the Superdome when Drew Brees kind of teased. That was ridiculous. Me. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I, I read it and went, no, but surely he's just messing. And uh, yeah, he was. Because uh, um, you know Drew Brees was a legendary quarterback, but by the end it was time to to head off into the the sunset. But I did see some very funny Jameis memes. Um, I look, J- Jameis is capable of um, being a, a decent QB. The the worry with Jameis is always turning over the football. Last year he wasn't doing that with near nearly the same frequency as we have seen previously. Can Jameis stay fit? I suppose that is the the question. They should be really solid defensively. And they, again, this is, there's a reason the Eagles are kind of going all in essentially at the moment is the NFC landscape is a lot more barren than the AFC. And so I I don't know. I mean, the, the Bucks are, there'll obviously be changes with BA moving on, but Brady will 
always be competitive. I, I still think that the Bucks should be favourites for the division, but I don't think the Saints will have any fear of the the Bucks uh, at, at all. And I I don't think they will um, have any fear of, of playing Brady. So could could this bring a surprise? Yeah, it should it should be the Bucks, but. The, the Saints, given the cap situation they had found themselves in, I think they will be reasonably happy uh, with the, the way things have gone this uh, offseason, given it started with, uh, obviously, Sean Payton, um, you know, mo- moving on and in a really bad cap situation. If you took them at that point and you said, OK, here's where you are, by the middle of May, you will be in a situation where it's says, Alan, where, you know, you'll know who your, your QB is. You'll have had the draft that you did. They wouldn't be ecstatic about it, but I think they, they'd have said, okay, it's better than where we thought we might be. Chris Olave as well in the Saints, Brian. Chris Olave, uh, Trevor Penning, who we've had on, and um, just a week prior, I know we discussed it, but like the Honey Badger is still a player, and that's a really good signing. Like you're you're in a situation where middle of May and you're signing Tyron Matthew and you're getting Jarvis Landry. The interesting subplot for me here is what's going to happen with Michael Thomas. So he obviously didn't play last year because of the injury. He he, he was due to have operations that never took place, and there was obviously it seems to be a bad relationship there. Will they bring him back and? give him a fresh opportunity with the new head coach, Dennis Allen. I know he's been there, but he was obviously on the defensive side of the ball. So it'd be interesting to see. Like if Michael Thomas comes back with Olave in the slot, and like I still think there's a, there's a lot to get out of Jarvis Landry. I think a lot of it just fell flat because of the Baker Mayfield relationship there. I think he's still got enough, enough there, and I think he'll have a point to prove. And he's gone back to LSU, and so is the Honey Badger. So I, I really do think the Saints have got a real opportunity to go and have a real push this year to the division, um, especially with the sit changes in like there's no way you can have a fluid situation when when, when the head coach changes over like again okay it'd be the same for Saints so it'd be interesting to see which of the two teams deals better with a with a head coach change because essentially they're going to rival each other and they're both with with head coaches that have had opportunities in the league previously and haven't had a really great time of it so it'd be interesting to see what they take from that previous stint and plug in for this season ahead. OTB, OTB, AOB. Wow. OTB. Well, well j- just on uh, a little bit on that, it is going to be talk about the LSU bowl. Uh, you know, obviously with the, the Bengals going down there and the fact Lovely that you now have, have so many uh, kind of uh, LSU connections, uh, that that should uh, make it uh, especially in, intriguing for, uh, for a number of games in the Superdome this season. AOB, any other business? I've got a couple of quick ones. Um, first off, I hate the Christmas schedule. I don't, that early game? No. That's a hard pass for me, boys. Six o'clock? How is anybody going to get the wives, the husbands, the, the boyfriend, the partner, the girlfriend to sit down at six o'clock on Christmas Day and watch the Miami Dolphins play football when your granny's sitting on one side of the room, you know, the news is on. It's not going to happen here. Like, what, what, I don't know how we're going to do this. Uh, and secondly, can Odell Beckham just hurry up and go somewhere, please? Just, I feel like we're coming to an end here, and I just want to. I just want this sort of off-season craziness and just just to end. Is that too much to ask, Colin? It seems like 
years ago now that Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson within a one-hour period of each other happened. But I, I, I think it's in LA. What's your topic, Colin? Um, well, we we shall we shall see. I, I mean, the the injury concerns are obviously everyone wants to to see where you know because he's had the the injuries in in the past, and there there are plenty of teams that would take a, a solid wide receiver. There's always going to be stories in the in the NFL, and I suppose uh, right right now um, you're. That is one that that is yet to, to play out. Um, I I think the from for me some of the stuff um, following on from the Brady contract. Obviously, we see um, more and more going on in the background. Uh, reports around Dan Orlovsky and he is going to call play call games now. Um, so I I think there seems to be what you know. I'm we're seeing. In terms of the teams, there's a lot going on in moving parts. And in terms of the what's going on with the, the TV stuff, there's uh, moving parts. Uh, the other thing that I thought was a little bit interesting this week was Jerry Jones saying um, that he, given the Broncos are probably going to go somewhere between five and six billion, he reckons the Cowboys would fetch at least 10, but he w- would never sell, probably. Um, you know, uh, why why would you, why would you talk if uh, if if you weren't at least going to maybe consider it if you got a ridiculous bid? But who's going to have ten billion to to buy the, the ten Cowboys? billion? That's what Jerry said. He reckons he could get at least that for the Cowboys. Elon could probably cut his losses, Brian, and maybe just buy the Cowboys instead of Twitter. Uh, Jerry's always going to hang in there till the very end till he gets that ultimate prize of returning to Super Bowl because it's quite well. From a Giants perspective, it's not long overdue, but I'm sure the Cowboys fans out there would, would challenge me on that one. Um, I'm going to, two things, the Christmas schedule, Michael, um, as, a, as a parent of two young children um, who also then has um, a birthday of my daughter on Stephen's Day, um, it's quite a, a busy period. So yeah, I don't find, I try to try not to think too much about the NFL for Christmas and hopefully enjoy the other weeks, but uh, no, it's, it's not very helpful to us this time of year um, just to, in particular just this year where it's Christmas Eve and Christmas Day um, I'm going to be a bit controversial on the last one, it's Deshaun Watson so um, it's come out this week that the NFL have finally got around to investigating the off-field antics which we're all very much aware of and uh, potentially now there's a conversation about him being banned for the for three to four games when the season starts but um, they're also saying it's unlikely that any of these 22 civil cases will be resolved come the start of the season so if they're going to ban him for the first three or four games when the situation's unresolved, does he then get rebanned when the situation is resolved if it doesn't go in his favour? So essentially the NFL could end up banning him twice. I just don't understand now why they're considering investigating. I think it would be best served waiting until the full situation is resolved and then make a final decision as to how they approach it and potentially a longer ban if it's unfortunately comes out to be what we all perceive it to be um, in terms of the carry-on that went on, shall we say. Um, that's really the point I'm making. I just think it's unusual that the NFL have decided at this stage. But uh, maybe they feel like there's um, there's a gun being held to their head and they need, they haven't addressed it to date. It kept pretty quiet. They've allowed the trade to take place and obviously there's the scrutiny that came with that and the aftermath and the disappointment of, of some certain media people obviously 
um, making their feelings very well known that the NFL haven't acted to date and now they have suddenly are getting involved. So I just felt it was an unusual move. I just thought I'm going to play it out a little bit longer, but uh, maybe the NFL don't have a lot to be working on at the moment. Time will tell what will happen with Deshaun Watson and everything that's going on there. It's just been an insane few months. Also. And the column, we, we've been uh, very fortunate to have some great guests over the last few weeks. And today is no exception. This interview was recorded during the FA Cup final last weekend. So if you do see Brian looking to see if his team scored Liverpool, you, you <laughs> no, know, no, no, Colin, no, 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 yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, there are a number of legendary GMs that probably in the league we've had the good fortune to talk to uh, Kevin Colbert from the, the Steelers. And at the time of recording this, the Steelers just announced they did have done a second interview, but another one of the legendary GMs who's been in situ for two decades, I've been with the, the team for more than, than two decades, as he pointed out, he has been there since the year 2000. But a man who, you know, is, is kind of um, synonymous with the, the team, synonymous with the region, has been with them, won a Super Bowl, has seen them through good times and bad, and has rebuilt the, the team on more than one occasion and is undergoing yet another rebuild. We are delighted to welcome legendary Saints GM Mickey Loomis to the Irish NFL show. 